0: This is the Actual Fluency Podcast, helping you become a better language learner by providing motivating weekly inspiration, as well as top tips and tricks from expert guests. And now your host, Chris Broholm. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to episode 112 of the Actual Fluency Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to language learners, influencers, industry experts and high achievers who have done something with languages and it's basically designed to inspire you and motivate you give you ideas on how you can revolutionize your own language learning or get started on those language learning ambitions or dreams that you've been holding in for so long. Um, This is episode 112 which is kind of a funny number because in Denmark and I know some other countries as well it's the emergency services number because they felt like uh, as you know, in America, it's 911, uh, and it's done so you don't accidentally press it in. So it's two digits and then a third digit. Um, so this is not going to be a crisis episode just because of the number, but I just thought I'd mention that because as a kid, obviously, you, you're taught very early in Denmark, at least, that 112 is the uh, emergency number. So <laughs> we're going to do our best to give you some uh, positive and uplifting news today and know... Emergencies, hopefully. Uh, Before we get started, I just wanted to quickly give a shout out to one of the companies that I'm working with called Baselang. And the reason that I want to give a shout out to them is because they offer unlimited Spanish tutoring for uh, $129 a month. And I tried them myself, and it's it's a fantastic service. And the reason that tutoring is so efficient is I mean, it's hard to quantify one reason, but When I did tutoring for my Russian uh, last year, or maybe even two years ago, Jesus, time flies, um, I was really stuck and frustrated at my level of Russian. But once I got that uh, weekly tutoring in, because um, italki, where I had my Russian lessons, had a challenge on where you had to do, I think it was 20 lessons in a month, which for me was quite a lot of lessons. Um, But I started doing weekly or I guess more than weekly, <laughs> if I had to get to twenty. Uh, but I did twenty lessons in in a month, and it was tough. You know, it, it's a lot of work. It's very mentally draining to speak a foreign language, especially if you're very new at it. Um, but my level just, it it, 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 everything got became real in a way. So I couldn't say much when I started tutoring. So we had to do very basic phrases and and, and sort of go that way but a couple of months later we were having like one hour talks one hour one hour conversations and no they weren't you know super uh, difficult political conversations or like complex in any way but you know we were talking about our daily lives and you know what we do and what i did yesterday and all these things and the feeling of speaking your target language for one hour without using any english Man, it was just crazy. Like my body was, uh, you know, giving me endorphins and adrenaline and it was so, yeah, <laughs> I can't really describe it more than that. It was just amazing. So that's why I highly recommend Baseline. And um, so it's 130 a month and it's completely unlimited. There are no strings attached there. And if you want to get started, I recommend you go to actualfluency.com forward slash Baseline because then you get $10 off your first month as well. And uh, you support the the podcast and and its uh, partners as well, and um, that is unfortunately at this time only for Spanish. But um, I know there are a lot of you guys learning Spanish out there uh, at the moment. So in, enjoy baselighting. It's really a good service, and I tested it thoroughly with my own uh, with my own body. Today's episode is 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 a great one. It's a little bit different because I'm talking to Sarah Barrett from Lingotastic. And Lingotastic is kind of like a, it's for the youngest kids. It's for very young kids, uh, maybe even toddlers if you want, or babies, I guess can also benefit. But um, the topic is simply language encouragement for kids today. So we're going to be talking about basically how do you give very small children the kind of introduction to language learning without forcing it on them or without sort of you know uh, putting them in a classroom which they probably wouldn't enjoy and uh, Sarah has done that really well with uh, with her husband Mike they do uh, the the legotastic and I really uh, they're really great people by the way really kind and uh, and sweet and it was a lovely talk and we talked about many things related to encouraging the the youngest kids. If you're not really into (laughs) this topic, I understand some of you guys would be sitting out there, you know, maybe you're uh, 15 and you like kids. I'm not going to have kids for the foreseeable future. Uh, Then maybe skip this one and go to next week's episode. But um, for all of you who have kids or who plan to have kids out there, this is a really good talk about just the very tiny things you can do to introduce language learning to their lives you know it's not about it's not about forcing it it's not about making your child speak 10 languages when they're 10 years old it's simply about getting them tuned into the fact that there are different languages and showing the sounds and stuff but i'm gonna uh, hand you over to the uh, actual recording now and let sarah talk much more about that because she's the expert in this i really don't know much and so that's why I'm in the episode I'm asking all the silly or stupid questions that I can think of. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Sarah, and uh, I hope to see you in episode 113 next week.
0: Yeah, I mean, I started learning languages in... In school so probably about 12 I didn't my family do, didn't really do languages and about 12 I started French and then when I was 13 in senior school I did some German and my German teacher told me I told my mum I was quite good so I ought to do that so I did so I did French and German uh, we we call it GCSE I don't know what you would call it in in Denmark yeah, well, yeah, it's is it, well. It was. I'm from Northern England, so it's a different setup. But I started about. We went to a senior school at about 12, thirteen, which you go then till your, till you finish more or less. It's, obviously, schooling is different in different countries. So I did um, GCSE mm-hmm. German and French, and then. Sorry, my notifications. I did GCSE, German and French. And then when I was doing my A-levels, I quite fancied doing some Spanish as well. So I did Spanish in a year alongside my A-levels. Um, And I didn't, yeah, I did all right, really. I got A's and B's and quite enjoyed it. And then I decided to do nurse training. So I went to university to train as a nurse and met my husband, who is German. So that sort of meant that... Started to bring my languages back. To, in fact, the, the only thing I remembered of German was, wie ich am besten zum Bahnhof bitter?
1: Very useful.
0: <laughs> so, so, yeah, in the middle of nowhere, I was like, I remember some German, wie ich am besten zum bitter? To which he just laughed. But it is random how what, what little phrases you do remember from, I don't know, so, somewhere in the ether, there's these phrases that, that come back out of nowhere, I find, so anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was interesting. So him him being German, I decided... Uh, I, it, the business faculty offered um, some languages, so I did some more advanced German there, and that's about it, really. And I didn't think anything of languages for years. I did my nurse training. And then my youngest son was born, and I wanted him to have a little bit of German, and Mike wasn't keen to pass it on because he was... He'd been in the country a while but he still wanted to I think he wanted to work on his English so he didn't really want to pass to do much German with my lad which was driving me crazy so I sort of did it really we just I just taught him what I knew and we got German books and sorry DVDs and toys and I just sort of I don't know I, I didn't actually know what I was doing but we just did it and it seemed to work and we'd play on the swings pushing on the swings and we'd count. So we went and Schweidt, fear, just while we're pushing on the swings, and we just, sort of just brought it into everyday, which was a bit. I don't know. Looking back, it was a bit bonkers, but there wasn't there wasn't an internet then, because this was Josh was born in 2000, so this was pre-internet, and we just sort of felt our way around and thought, well, we'll do we'll do the best we can really with him. So he could he learned quite he learned quite a bit of German. So I don't think we did too bad.
1: <laughs> right. Well, that's and then, uh, interesting for sure.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. I was just, I was just, I just felt so strongly that I wanted him to be able to speak with his his oma and his German family, and if we didn't pass on German to him, that would be that would be been missing for him. But we also found some lovely French books and Spanish books in charity shops, so we used to read to him in different languages as well, just because we could. And it never, I don't know, it never occurred to me that wasn't normal, if that makes sense. It's just what we did.
1: Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So and when... Today is when, 17, 18?
0: 17 Josh now, yeah. It's a bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel so old.
1: Time flies.
0: It so does. And, but, yeah. Um, yeah, and then um, when Josh was seven, so 2007, I had Jasmine, and then, shortly afterwards, I had Emily, and we did some languages with them. But actually, having two girls in such close succession was a bit manic. Anyway, so we did bits. We, we did bits with them, but it wasn't quite so structured just because life was a bit chaotic with three kids. Although, but we did. I think, well, yeah, we did stuff, but just not. It wasn't quite as consciously, really. Right. And then, um, when the girls were small, I started. Toddlers group, yeah, that was. I started doing the crash at church because there was no one doing it, so I thought if you, if I start running it, then other people will join in. So we we sort of set up that, and in that we were singing and playing together and just having fun. And then a little bit, um it's actually it's a it comes from quite a Christian basis because that's where I'm from. And they um it was things like you you get your mirror out and sing a song about how you're special and God loves you, or you get your you, oh, there was a prop for every single song we did, so we sort of it, it was really structured, but it was really simple. And it was it's all about building up the children and letting them see that they're important, and actually if the mums are there teaching them how to encourage their own kids. So 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 I was sort of singing and doing that with the kids for a while, and then a few years later, I decided with a friend of mine to set it up as a a toddlers group for on a, a weekday toddlers group, which is sort of quite a normal. Most churches have something like that, a, a free group for people to come along to. So we'd set up a toddler singing group. So we just sort of went from there. And in doing that, I learned a lot of skills about interacting with kids, which I mean, I've, I've worked with kids for a lot of years, being a children's nurse anyway. And as I... Um, sorry, so really... I was practising lots of things and lots of ways of interacting with kids and finding out what worked and didn't work and things like that for a good few years. And when Emily, my youngest, was five and I was looking at going back to school, going back to work, I thought, hang on, there's nobody who does kids' groups but our languages. So I sort of started looking into it and looking into franchises and things, but franchises were just French or just Spanish and they were thousands of pounds which was just prohibitive really for what I wanted to do so I decided I thought no I want to do something where we're just playing with languages together and mums and children can come together and just play with languages and and we will learn sort of as a byproduct of it so it sort of all came from there really I've just been I don't know life comes like that you've been practicing things over years and then you're like oh, that's that works there. And actually, I love to sing, but I've got a really loud singing voice, which drives my husband mad. <laughs> but when you're working with kids, it means you don't need amplification.
1: Right. It's
0: just something as random as that. <laughs> so actually for me, it's perfect, because like, I just naturally sing very loud. That's just, I don't have a quiet, well, I don't think I have a quiet button, full stop. But anyway, <laughs> which is, in a teaching setting, perfect. Yeah. So yeah. So, so we just do a lot. So when we in the classes we have, we do we sing in target language. We have a story. We have puppets. We make things, and it just we just have lots of fun. And it just happens to be not in English, really.
1: Right. It's actually <laughs> when just, you when you think about it, it, like you said a few minutes ago, you said it, to us it seemed natural or like yeah. obvious. But when you think about it, it really isn't, you know, how many uh, parents in England do you think are oh. st- uh, speaking any other language to their kids who are, of course, non-immigrants, um, yeah. you know, and I think the number is, is probably close to zero, if not zero. So, yeah,
0: it's very interesting. I, I like I like to say my class is like Marmite. I don't, do you have Marmite in Denmark? No,
1: no, no, I, I've heard of it, but I've never I've actually tried it. it.
0: Something you either love or you hate? Right. I mean, I get that feeling, I mean... One of the mummies, as soon as I even um, sort of started that marketing, my class got in touch within days, and she said, "I'm in America at the moment, but I'm coming." <laughs> I'm okay. But she she trained as a primary teacher. She spoke Spanish, and she just she she just totally got where I was coming from. She was like, "I want to be able to bring languages in with mine from being tiny." Yeah. So she she totally got that, and like, I, I did have sort of. I've had a co-group of mums, and the majority are teachers, to be honest, because they get it, because they can see the value of it. Of course. Either that, or they have... um, There was a lady recently who was a generation back, they spoke German, but it got lost one way or another. People that she hadn't learned it, but the, the family language was German, or other people that are native Spanish but want to come alongside other families that are speaking more than English. So it's a real mixed bag but then we get some people who say well my children don't even speak English what are you doing (laughs) it's such a British attitude it's awful I mean I don't know what it's like in Denmark uh, in probably
1: interest. similar to be honest. Uh, they, yeah. I mean, they would probably say it with English just because that's so useful. But yeah. I mean, there's no, I definitely can't imagine any parents in Denmark are thinking like, oh, we need to introduce Spanish, Eng- uh, mm. German or French or mm. any language other than maybe English early stages. Mm. And I think even then they they kind of put all the responsibility at the school. And they say, okay, you start having English in second grade or something when you're, I don't know, seven, eight. uh, Too late. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. It's like you know, why start that late? And you know,
0: yeah, good, yeah, but that's because having, as I set this up, I looked into a lot of the research, and I mean, I don't know what you know, but years ago we went to the. the O2 Arena, it was a the big, they set it up in London. It was this massive millennial millennium dome and it was this big project about the millennium. And that, the one thing I remember, there's a thing about the whole human body and things, and there was a, a section about language development and it said that all children babble in the same language. Mm-hmm. And at the age of six months, they start tuning in to the sounds that, of the language that they hear most um, commonly. Yeah. From six months till about five years, they start to specialise in that. And that by the time you hit about seven, it's very difficult to introduce the new language sounds. Right. Mother languages, because if you if you think of things like Mandarin, you've got ni hao, It's a really different. It's a different feat. You can feel the difference of that oh, yeah. German with rot and the guttural <laughs> sounds. And each language actually physically feels different.
1: For sure. yeah. So if
0: you, so if you start really late, you've lost all that sort of, I that elasticity in your mouth and, I don't know, the speech development stuff is a lot harder.
1: Yeah. Because the,
0: the younger children start, the better their accent is, the more confident they are because it's just, it's just, it's like it, they're just learning it alongside their normal speech, if that makes sense, rather than it being a separate thing. I mean, it gets me really excited, this. Yeah, I I mean, that mean, we-
1: me too, in a way, because you're, lead, you're kind of leading some kind of, some, a bit of a, uh, I don't, it's not really a renaissance because it was never like that. So it's more of a revolution, I guess, yeah. that we are, that uh, we're giving our next generation more opportunity really. Yeah. And I think there's probably some people out there thinking that, oh, if I teach my kid, let's say three languages from birth then they will get confused and not speak any of them but of course that's not the case
0: sorry that drives me mad um no i mean they they do get muddled but you see my my daughter is seven she still gets muddled with english grammar she's determined that english grammar is going to follow rules and as you know english grammar didn't doesn't follow rules so she'll say i hated that right so even she's struggling with grammar at seven. So that it, that just happens anyway with any language. <laughs> right. And uh, and bilingual children do get a bit muddled to start with sometimes to separate. But I'm sure you found that when you're speaking. Oh, yeah. and, and I would I would naturally go if I'm not speaking English, I'd speak German. That's just my sort of that's my second strong la- strongest language, and it's taken a long time for me to sort of think to shut the German down sometimes to do French or shut the French down to do Spanish so we do that as language learners anyway so oh, yeah, kids for are sure. just the same and actually the, our class we don't do as, as I was saying we do different languages so we'll do a six week block of French a six week block of Spanish a six week block of German but for the French class, we've got a puppet that is our French puppet, and we, mm. we always start off with our ro- we start off with our rockets. So, in the French class, we go, Un, deux, toi, allons-y," and blast <laughs> off with rockets. So there's that structure, and then we have a few songs, and then we have a story, and then we have a few more songs, and then we get our rockets and blast off again, and say goodbye to the puppet. So the structure, whatever the language is, the same. So they've got that. Um, Kids work really well with structure, so actually they they know where things are going. Then, so they've got that point of reference, whichever language it is. But it is amazing how they do. Yeah, I mean, there's a little. um, The first lady I spoke of, Cassandra, she's called, was the first mummy I had contact with. Her little girl at four could speak French, German, and Spanish. Just not lots, but she could say um, "Hola" and "Adios" and "Bonjour" and. Au revoir and you know, she was just getting that. And really exciting story with her she'd not been little Hannah was about eighteen months and she heard a song in the radio and she went um she went, um was it? She went she went, Blast off Ding Dang dong which was <laughs> blast off is what we do and ding dang dong was from Frere Jacques. Right. so she she was recognizing that song was in french she was 18 months old but she recognized the song was in french because she her ear was tuned into french
1: yeah
0: mum was like what she right. was got smacked, but this little girl even though she she'd not even got all the verbal skills but she was recognizing the the language sounds and the fact that it was french
1: yeah well, that's it's amazing
0: mi- it's mind-blowing it absolutely is so yeah, they're just they're amazing, and I've done. I've recently started doing some school classes as well. So I go into a school, and we'll do a block in French, a block in Spanish, a block in German, and we rotate. And one week, one of the t- kids said, "Why can't we do it in Chinese this week?" And another one, "Why can't we do it in Italian?" And I'm like, yep. "Yes, they've got it."
1: Exactly. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> why not?
0: Exactly. Why not? And because. A lot of people, there's things like, there's other franchises out there that will just do French classes for you or just do Spanish. And I think then you just, you're pushing them in to such a narrow thing so early on that they then don't see there's other languages out there. And and nowadays, I mean, Mandarin is one of them really up and growing languages. They're starting to look at doing Mandarin more in primary because they're realizing from an economic economic point of view, we need it. So if you start pushing kids into just French... They were gonna really struggle, especially something like Mandarin, which feels sort of feels so different to speak. It's a lot easier to get those sort of get the feel of that language early on rather than oh yeah, much oh, yeah. Older.
1: Like, like if you can listen to tones when you're let's say a year or maybe even from the beginning, then you're just gonna understand it so much better than if you try to explain it to an adult who's never heard of it before. Like, Ooh, I understand the concept, but my ears are not very tuned to it at all. So Same. they might, all of them might like flow together in a way. Mm. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely a, a great idea just to get it introduced. Cause I think the, the goal, like, I mean, it'd be great to have like a, let's say a five-year-old who speaks, five languages uh, yeah. as as their native language, whatever that may be. Mm. But on the other hand, I also think that just introducing kids to languages and having the kind of excitement built up so when they go into school and they ha- start German class, they don't go, ugh, German. They actually get a little bit mm. excited about it. And then if they take that to, a, you know, nothing or just can say a few words, that's fine. I mean, that's probably more than what have, would have happened before. But yeah. it's just that doing nothing I really don't like that you just kind no. of sh- shield them from other languages in a way and then no. you put them in these German classes that are usually boring and repetitive yes. and and they learn nothing and they hate it and they, they think yes. oh I can't learn languages so they don't try the Mandarin or the yeah. other languages and so I think you yeah. just got to start from the beginning really.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's been a really interesting study that came out recently, because um, I'll go back a step first. I think what I'm doing is just putting really good building blocks in place, because I feel like once we've got those building blocks and you you just get an ear for the different languages, even if you don't speak them for a few years, they're there to access.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, there was a really interesting study recently, I think it was a Canadian study, that they some um, they took a control group of children that had lived in China, they had been orphans in China, so, they'd heard Mandarin till six months. They were then um, taken to other countries that didn't speak Chinese and um, sort of brought up. And at about 12, they brought them alongside some other children that had never heard Mandarin and started teaching them both Mandarin. And these children that had heard Mandarin all that years ago quickly picked it up because the, the foundations were there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, which to me, I'm like, well, I my gut knows that it just seems it just feels the right thing to do and the other really weird experience i had not too long ago we had um some a lot of eastern european children joined my daughter's school so i was around and i heard somebody saying something and i suddenly thought no why and but i didn't know when i ever heard that and it's it's um it's Slovak for good morning. I don't right. know when I ever heard that, but somewhere in my head it was there. But hearing that language activated something in my brain to suddenly come out with it.
1: Yeah.
0: Which was so weird. So that was that was just my personal experience, and I don't know when I ever even heard Slovak. Or well, it, it may not have been Slovak because all those all the Slavic languages are quite similar. But, for
1: sure, yeah.
0: But yeah, it just that blew my mind a bit. I was like, I've never learned that. When have I heard? Unless I think there may have been a missionary. At our church they maybe mentioned it but i don't know where
1: well the brain is it's just amazing isn't it i mean it is and especially kids you know i i, I mm. wanted to tell us uh, of an experience i had recently which is uh i was in in canada for the um language festival which is yeah. going to be in montreal again this year at the end of august
0: what's that one called well it's
1: called Langfest. uh the-
0: yeah i Contact, yeah, they were talking to me on Twitter recently. I'm right. trying, to, trying to get in contact with them. So yeah, yeah brilliant. G- good you.
1: people. But I was over there and I was staying with one of the organisers, Tetsu, for a while. And he his uh, specialty is actually uh, teaching children languages like awesome. um, with a focus on the parents of course so mm-hmm. uh, not so much these uh, kind of classes or, or bringing no. together a group of children but your own children and yeah, so
0: that's, that's what I'm trying to do really
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I mean that's the first thing right you, you figure out how to teach your own kids and then you know you can work on, <laughs> on saving the, the rest of the community afterwards yeah. but you got to help yourself first um, but anyway yeah. I'm staying with uh, Tetsu and um he and I got to see this kind of thing uh, from Kind of a, a first, uh, you know, front row seeds, and he had mm. he has two. Well, he just had a, a third baby actually, uh, but oh. he has he has two. When I was there, he only had two, and uh, Ronnie and uh, Niki, Nika, and um, so Ronnie was about four, just just below four, and he spoke in five languages, and wow, was, yeah, it was insanely impressive, and yeah. um. Of course, he sometimes confused them a little bit, but actually, he was quite able to communicate. And what they did was just basically one speaker per language. Yes. So his father always spoke to him in in uh, Chinese. His mm. mother always spoke to him in Japanese. The same with her, his uh, his um, what do you call it, the grandmother. And yeah. then some other members of the family would speak to him in uh, sort of the local languages like um, Taiwanese and uh, maybe Hakka or something, you know, some of these mm. Chinese dialects. Um, yeah. And then they had a, a Mexican au pair. So she mm. would speak to them in Spanish. And maybe then I'm... someone like me who was visiting would speak to them in, in, in English. And they went to a French daycare. Awesome. So, so, awesome. so you end up with these kind of uh, five, five basic, but he also understood some dialects, but five languages. Yeah. And it was just really amazing to see. And it's really fun for the kids as well, yeah. because they, and they don't really feel it. You know, it's just yep. natural. You know, if, if your dad has always spoken to you in a certain language, it doesn't feel weird to you that that's a different yep. language from the others. <laughs> Um so I just wanted to bring up that story because I feel like it's it's really amazing and, and if people hmm. are more interested in 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 uh, you know how to kind of bring up your own kids with language learning, I definitely also recommend checking out Tetsu's work. um he is he Pampas
0: the polyglot one. What's that, sorry? Is he is he the Pampus Polyglot guy? No. not that one okay. oh, yeah, no
1: yeah exactly that, that that's exactly the one he that was the name of his uh his book, I think
0: that's it, thank you you know, I was thinking it sounded like yeah because there's not many of us that are really pushing right. children's it's, language learning so I, I tend to know who's out there yeah, yeah he's no, he's,
1: he's amazing but it, it was just interesting to see it from like a first yeah. First row because you can always talk about oh yeah my kids speak five languages and blah 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 and this is what mm. I do but until you actually see it and experience it then you know that's that it it doesn't feel real until then but yeah so it's funny when for instance Ronnie he didn't know that I didn't speak Chinese so he he went to Chinese first and I said Ronnie I don't speak that and he was like okay <laughs> you know it's really funny
0: recalculate which language do you speak
1: yeah exactly. Yeah. So, but we, uh, of course, it's a lot go. of work. Also, you know, you, you know, mm-hmm. you get, if you get yeah. your if you get your whole family to speak a, a certain language to to the to the child, then that's kind of the easy part. You know, you also mm. need to stimulate with, let's say, books or songs like you use as well, yes. or TV, or you know, there's lots yes. of kids shows these days that are dubbed and easily accessible. So, yeah, but there's a lot that goes into it, right?
0: It is. It's not. It isn't an easy option at all. I mean. <sighs> We we weren't able to do the um, one parent one language as I said because Mike wasn't keen to at the time. So we've actually ours has been a bit chaotic and a bit mishmash, but it has come together somewhat somehow. That makes it, But like, um, it's quite silly. I mean, my, I said to my, Emily, my youngest, says, I said in some in some families they only speak English. And she was <laughs> gobsmacked. She was like, I don't. She just couldn't understand that. Right. And um, we um, we learnt a little bit of Mandarin a year or two back, so instead of saying I'd like a cup of coffee, you would say Washing you you be coffee? So that's what the kids say now if you want a cup of coffee, they'll say y'all, you be coffee? But that's just normal for our house or like, uh, we've been doing Polish recently because we've got a Polish shop so I can go in and order a little bit of stuff so I say, can you pass, pass the maleco or the lecce or the um, le or milch and so to them that one thing has all those names, and that's just perfectly fine for them, yeah, which is I just think it's fun we just we just play with language I've never, i mean I haven't right. all the songs i've done in, I've done in the classes, so I do songs in French, German, Spanish, and Mandarin mostly so they've they've the kids my kids know the songs and they've only been to my classes once or twice, but they've heard me singing them practicing them, so they, they they could sing you the um Chinese new Year song in in Mandarin. <laughs> right. you know but they think that's normal yeah but they can't see why but they do bemuse their French teacher a bit because um, she Emily came along with a lovely tongue twister that she learnt because um, as I said my husband is currently doing a teacher training so he, they're sort of watching his lesson planning and they'll, they'll they saw this tongue twister and wanted daddy to teach it so Emily <laughs> at seven went in and told her her teacher this French um, tongue twister was it la verre, la verre, which is that the, the the green caterpillar goes towards the green glass. Right. So she, she went and presented it to a teacher and a teacher didn't know what to do. She a bit bemused really <laughs> because she didn't know what to do. Well, at age but seven, even,
1: you're not really expected to speak any French, I guess. Maybe no, just, they're, just, hello. they're just starting. Yeah.
0: But, um, yeah, but even when the, my girls have seen what my husband is preparing for like year seven, so what's that, um, probably about 12-year-old German, and obviously they're at that level, so they're looking and they're, they understand it perfectly well. And we're like, well, you do realise that that daddy is teaching this to much older children than you. And they're like, oh, because <laughs> yeah. they they forget they speak German, which is hilarious. Right. They say, well, we've done we've done French at school, so they think we speak French, and you ask them to speak German and say, no, we don't speak German. You're like, but then you could ask them for something in German and they just reply, because <laughs> we, we I mean, from being tiny, we've done things like in the morning we'll say, sure, Anne, um, put your shoes on, yacker, yeah, Anne. Um, just really simple instructions because it's part of our getting ready in the morning and actually it just it's just its just bringing it into every day, really. Sure. Just little, little bits like that. And then they don't even, even realise. Right. My, my, my middle daughter has decided it's not so bad nowadays. So one time they, they go through phases of thinking, Mum, you're embarrassing doing this. So... Because usually when dinner's ready, ready we'll shout upstairs, dinner's ready. We'll say, Esnitz fertig. <laughs> so this this morning, J- was, yeah, last night, Jasmine said, how do I say it in German? So I told her, she shouted, Esnitz fertig. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember, oh, look, we've been watching Moana. I don't know if you've seen Disney Moana. It's awesome. No. But she's, oh, you've you've so got to. It's such a good, it, for a Disney song, Disney one's really good. But there was um, there was a phrase from it Jasmine had heard in... in um in German so she suddenly just started singing it in German and I'm Like, okay, but she just <laughs> they just they just do it they just play the yeah, languages. when yeah. I mean, they get they get a bit, a bit overwhelmed if they have a the whole book in that language it sort of scares them a bit but sure but have you come across Johnny and oh um Johnny one third stories no it is awesome absolutely awesome two young lads started the kickstarter that i came across and it starts off in english and then you gradually introduce ah. words of another language so in the german book the little girl has lost her water so we have to go and find the water um and then a bit later on she comes across a tea canner or teapot and then so it, as, as the story goes on the key sort of keywords that you understand from context in the target language, so oh. towards the end, you're reading nearly whole sentences in the target language. That's
1: very clever. So, for like good night stories, or just any time, they
0: just stories, yeah. I mean, they've, they've, they've got stories in French, German, Spanish, Italian at the mark to start with as books, and now they've just started a story box club, so they're sending them out monthly. But it's just such an amazing idea because it's especially for families that don't speak fluently in the target language, it's very really clever it is i love it so it's it's one third stories look it up and i'm not being sponsored for this at all <laughs> i love it
1: no, good that's the thing recommend
0: yeah well that's the thing i've got i have a whole page on my website of resources because as i know how flipping hard it can be to get hold of stuff that's worth worth um using you know you, you can you can spend a lot of time looking so if, if I find something that's good, I will put it on our resources page so people can can do that. And we've, right. I've come across there's a lovely lady called Henny Jacobs who does books in French, and maybe French and English. But the, these animals are having conversation, but they don't actually. She doesn't translate it. They just happen to be having conversations together in different languages. Right. It is just such an awesome idea. What's she called? Betty and Cat. That's called, and that is awesome as well. Because I'm just like, she just gets the idea that you don't need to translate directly, and you could, you, so you could have a, a French granddad reading with an English mum, and it wouldn't matter. And it's mm. just, it's just, it's just lovely. She's just got a real passion for, like me, she's got a real passion for, for just using languages every day and finding a way for, for bringing it into your family, whether you're you're expert or not really
1: yeah and then that's on lingotastic.co.uk
0: um yes if you look on my my links page they'll have some of this stuff Perfect. because i mean a lot of my family a lot of them my my mummies sorry they're my friends as well my mummy friends that come to classes <laughs> they have the lovely um because they get it, you see, so that's this. but a lot of them don't have massive language skills. But I say, if you've got enough to pass on, you can work at that level. So if you know your colours in French, why can't you just teach colours? Yeah. And um, You can always learn a bit more, because whatever you know is going to be more than your child knows. Of course. And, and so I think so often we get into this, oh, to be a teacher, you need to be an absolute expert and know how to conjugate verbs and do all the grammar, which... You don't do that with a baby. You just chatter and say, right. "Oh look, the spoon is red." So why can't you do that in French or in German? Do you, there's nothing.
1: Yeah, so I think it's... the important thing is that, or at least uh, in my opinion, is that it, it it has to be fun. You know, you, you try. Yeah. You're not trying to sit down the kid and 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 you know speak to them in 12 hours in German to like put it in there. You know, you're not trying to, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's not what it's about. It's about just adding an extra layer or fun or playtime or, uh, that happens to be in a different language, which would then, well, it will help you to tune the ears to foreign languages. It will help set a base for future language choices. It will help make like foreign language education more, manageable and more enjoyable because they already know what it is and they already had good experiences mm-hmm. um and i think i got this uh, i also got this from uh, richard simcard which you which you may know um he has a a daughter who's oh, what she might be close to 10 now maybe a little bit All younger right. And
0: I didn't know he had children, so now no, that he,
1: has, he has a daughter, I, and and of yeah. course, the whole world was was watching this. Uh, well, not directly, but they were thinking like, well, he speaks a million languages. Uh, I don't know; nobody actually knows. I don't think he even knows, but let's just say it, the good Lots. side of twenty probably is is is, is reasonable. Mm. Uh, and so, everyone, of course, expected her to just be bombarded with languages and, and just grow up to be, you know hyperpoly right away but mm. but when i talked to richard about it actually it's interesting that he took the approach of she decides everything so mm. and he did he said okay we'll have an hour of french like playtime in french uh, or spanish or whatever language and then there would mm. it, there'd be clear distinction so while they were on the swings a bit like you said uh while she mm. was in the swing you know they would speak only in spanish for that hour mm. And then you know they have, of course, Macedonian because they live there, and in in, and they have French. They speak French at home, and of course English. So, uh, but but what he said and stressed and underlined was it has to be fun, and she has to be in control. So if she wants, if she doesn't want to, well, she's it's not going to be pushed upon her. But because I think some parents might. Oh, try to do that yeah. it, it sort of live through the child in a way. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've come across any examples of that, but I think it's um, important to, to mention
0: I was chatting to a uh, – it, it was a French-speaking mum who actually I, I interviewed quite early on, and she was saying how she often feels that in some families they get so obsessed with bringing up bilingual children that they forget to actually have fun. Yeah. Cause it's just like, we must do this, and it's so important for <laughs> – and it, it becomes a big – and they take them to the Saturday French school and make sure that they have playdates in French, and it, is, it just becomes a chore. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of an obsession for them, all that – and that was the her seeing that same that was the first time i come across it so i was just like i can't understand how but i think it's for for some people it is just it's it's sort of so important that they actually forget to have fun with it which i think is is sad then because you've lost you've lost it that's not what it's there that's not what language learning is about right
1: because
0: actually if you if you t- if you turn them off if kids don't do anything, they don't—they want to. i you, you haven't got your own children. No. Ask, ask, ask anybody who's got kids. If they don't want to do it, they won't do it. That's right. it. So you just have to—you engage them when they want to engage and provide resources to use and as that, and when they will really.
1: Yeah, but that's also why you—you don't—you don't sit them down and l- make them read like a textbook. You actually just replace. The English with like uh, you could have said dinner's ready, you know. You, but you say yeah. you say the German because then yeah. it's just part of your life. You're not yeah. put, pushing anything on them, and I, I think Shh. if they don't notice they're learning, then sometimes it's
0: easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, oh yeah, well that's like like with my Emily, being surprised that people don't speak English, she would just speak English, it was a bit weird, yeah. but she was she was so happy one day, we were walking to school, we were walking behind to uh, a mum and her daughter, and her, the mum was speaking fluent French, A daughter was replying fluently in English, but we could understand both sides of the conversation, and she was like, Emily was just like that. Mummy speaking French and her daughter speaking English, and I, and and she hadn't really seen that so often. And that's often what we do: we we'll sort of have a conversation in two languages. Right. But which some people would go, "Oh, that's awful!" But to me, you're having conversation. The point of language is conversation. Right. And if you're both understanding, it doesn't matter. Exactly. And it was just, it was beautiful to see this mum and her daughter because I just thought. To them, that's how they communicate. And the daughter will speak French, I know, but she just cho- was choosing not to at the time. But they were conversing, yeah, both and in me- different languages. Maybe
1: that's a way to keep the heritage uh, language alive. If they're yeah. immigrated from France or, or whatever, yeah. then as as soon as long as you speak that language to the to the kids, they'll definitely learn it. You know, yeah, it's it, it won't be a problem. But if you just completely ignore it and go straight to English, then you do re- run the risk of uh, losing the generations of, of that language. And you have grandparents who speak German for instance, but yeah. the kids don't speak it. The current generation.
0: Yeah. I mean, you do. I mean, it's not so much, I don't know. You do get it now and again nowadays. I mean, I think people are becoming aware that that is just so that people are becoming more aware that that's not really that helpful. Right. Because, um, um, currently where we live, there are an awful lot of Polish, Romanian, Russian, speaking children or um, well, families and actually they do use their home language and I've, I've got a lovely ukraine a lovely friend who is they they're from the ukraine her husband is russian no her husband's ukrainian she's macedonian but their home language is russian oh, wow. so they have but that's that's standard in that area because it was a soviet bloc that is quite standard for of them course, yeah. so their home language is russian but still doing the other languages so when their sons came to school school were, were really worried that, that their son Vitor didn't speak English but they had three languages to keep growing with and actually within very short very short period of time English was there
1: of course it's why it's the country you live in. if the if it's mm-hmm. a child then they'll just suck it up like a sponge because they yeah. they know they have to do it to sort of fit in or <clears throat> be yeah. part of Life so that's the least of your worries. I feel like if yeah, you the, <laughs> in terms of languages, the
0: schools get scared because of, over here we've got something called Ofsted, which is the people that sort of measure the schools and make sure you're doing what you care. And if you if you get a good Ofsted score, then that's amazing reflection on your school. So they're very are very um, they're very controlled by that. Mm. So the so my friend Anna was getting a lot of hassle that her son didn't speak English, and you ought to be doing more English with him. And I thought, they've got no idea. They just don't <laughs> understand language development that yeah. actually will come in time because his older brother came to England when he was five and within six months was fluent in English. Yeah. So it came, but because this school had such targets for their language development, they, they were stressing my poor friend Anna out about her, her son's lack of English. And I was like, just That's just ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I, bet, I mean, there's a few... There's a, f- a few friends I've got that work in schools that I've tried to sort of pass that on to because it's like they don't understand that if you have got English as a second language, you may be a little bit behind, but it will come.
1: Of course, yeah.
0: Be- because they've got their tick lists of at a certain age you must speak this 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 many words because they're just <laughs> – British people are just not good at coping with people speaking more than one language. No, they're not. They're not they but- it's Not all anyway. of them, but it's it's sad to hear sometimes.
1: Yeah, one thing I, I wanted to talk about—I uh, I was thinking just now—is—is is this kind of bilingual or multilingual even uh, upbringing of of children? Do you think that? Do you think that the popularity is growing, or do you think that it's just getting more visibility? Because I I feel like, or I mean, this could be just because I wasn't Mm. in the loop or I wasn't in the community when I was growing up, but I just heard nothing of it. And the only Mm. people who, the only people who learned multiple languages were bilingual children. So immigrants or um, immigrant Mm. families, but so the idea that let's say a native uh, Brit or whatever is teaching her or his children let's say French or Spanish or a language mm. that they're not native in, or maybe even not even that fluent in. Yeah. Do you think this is a, a relatively new idea or is it just because it's getting more visibility and, and what kind it's, of developments are you seeing from, from your side?
0: Is it, we're in any, yeah. We're in an internet age. So now. Oh yeah. Are and why?
1: Working. Because if, if the internet is bringing everything together, you know, standardizing towards English, why is the interest for bilingualism or multilingualism growing?
0: Clever question. That <laughs> um, I think you see. I I came across a lovely because I I do an awful lot of um, uh, meeting people online. I, I'm a bit of a serial networker, and I came across a lovely mum who lives in Carlisle, who speaks. She actually is bringing up her daughter French f- with French and and English. Set in She's, Wales,
1: but just for
0: the uh, international sorry, Carlisle's up up north, northern England. England near Hadrian's Wall, if you've ever heard of that one. Never. The mill.
1: <laughs> and they I'm just, sure my American listeners are just going like, what, what did she say? Very, very close to Scotland. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll, sorry, I forget you're not from here. Um, yeah, but she, I just, I don't know how, I, I came across her on a speech the to future group which is it was a LinkedIn group about languages so we started chatting and she is bringing up her, her daughter she's a single mum bringing up her daughter with French and English and I thought I've got to meet her and my family is from that area anyway so when we were up in the holidays we we made time to actually meet her and she's just I mean she doesn't speak she speaks English but she's She's a translator in French and German. So she's decided she's going to bring up her daughter to speak French as well as English. And I was just like... Oh, when, I, when I heard it, I was just over the moon because I just thought that's that's where I'm at, that people are just happy to have to have a go with languages. They're not so scared that they're going to um, get it wrong. They'll just do it. And I... <laughs> I'm not answering your question, am I? Really? That, <laughs> things like that is the, these things, things I love, but I, but I wouldn't have come across her if it hadn't been for the LinkedIn group. Right. So yes, I think we're meeting people more because of that. But um, it's
1: interesting, isn't it? How in the more globalised world, we're yeah. we're getting more people who are taking on non-globalising uh, mm. sort of projects. For yeah. instance, if you're if you're living in England. Let's say 50 years ago and you didn't have any contact with the outside world at all like you didn't even know w- where Russia was and oh, maybe Russia you what? didn't know because of the <laughs> the news and everything but uh, you didn't know where any foreign would. foreigners like
0: but the like, migration has always happened there's sure. always been migration and that's a I mean we there was something at the um oh, in London we went to a big exhibition about migration and actually big be- As people have travelled, they've taken their languages and their cultures with them, that's always happened. But I think, um, right, political rants, slightly. But I think nowadays people are becoming a bit more narrow-minded. It's becoming more acceptable to be racist or Mm. anti-foreigners. So people then say, oh, all these foreigners. And I say, but actually, I'm from from Bradford, which is in Yorkshire. It was all um, mills. It was cotton mill, wool woolen mills. Yeah. So, for, for, so, but, um, in the de- in the in the countryside near us, there were sheep. They took the wool from the sheep. They took it to the mills for it to be um, carded and made into wool and sent all over the world. They didn't have enough people to do it, so they brought people from Pakistan to come and work in the mills. Do you know what I mean? That was right. that that happened. That was that was our uh, my government's response to a, a my, to migrant my sort of. Um, needing jobs so migration has always 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 happened yeah and people seem to forget that and actually if you if if children are able to recognize people speaking different languages and know that people are different or even just to and for that to be acceptable and normal you're totally changing a mindset you're for showing sure. people that and because I. But I, I love languages if I see any hear any sort of accent I will say to somebody what language do you speak and try and learn a little bit because that's me but more recently people get a bit um, cagey or worried and I'm like, because they feel that they're being singled out
1: mm. which just
0: makes me that's not what I want, I want I'm interested because I like I love to at least learn to say hello and goodbye to people in their language because it just to me that's that means a lot to be able to sort of be recognised like that but right. it is sort of, so I, part of what I'm doing is I want people to see that people from other cultures are just as valuable and I do it's just, I, I'm not sure, I think the world has gone politically a little bit crazy and they seem to think that there's one best way and it's all globalisation and I'm more for, I love, I love families that are mixed race and mixed culture and because it's just so much richer than than this monoglot mono everything the same.
1: Sure. But it's just—it just, it just seems like a it's a bit of a.
0: There. I just got excited. Um, yeah, I think it might. Have.
1: It's just weird. I don't know
0: if it's growing or if, or <laughs> more more visible nowadays. If that makes sense. But, but that's what. But that's what my my heart is—just to get pa- families using languages it would and be using. Nice. I'm sure. That... the mums have got skills, and often when you've been as as, as a mum myself, I know when you're at home with your littleies... You you do start to feel as if you've not got a brain anymore because you're just changing lapis and watching Teletubbies. It's just like that. Sometimes your skills go. So to be able to meet with other mums who have also got language skills, and you're building your own confidence in using the skills you have. Yeah. and The lovely mums that come to my classes, one of them is now... um, she does graphic design for me, because we've sort of. So she started back into work with that. Another friend has got some. I started another like another kids a kids group franchise, not directly to me, but through seeing what I'm done and working with me, she's sort of saying, "Oh, actually, I could do that." So actually, I don't know. I like I like to be able to. I, know, I have a bit of obs- a bit of an obsession in in what in sort of seeing people's skills and helping them to to use them. So it's not none of it's solely down to me, but I know I've had a big part to play in that, and I love it. So
1: yeah, that's fantastic.
0: <laughs> like you're in your chief encouragement officer. I saw that on your <laughs> LinkedIn. I think that's that's what I like to be. It's just like I think so so many people have got amazing skills that they can't see, and actually there's some things that only they could do. What I do, yeah. I don't think I'm uniquely skilled to do what I do to be yeah. honest and i feel a lot of us like that and it's just finding your your niche in there somewhere for sure hopefully making money at it
1: <laughs> yeah if possible <laughs> but i really like the idea of of languages as a gateway to uh, mutual understanding or uh, empathy in a way because i think if you're living a one language life uh, and you're kind of you know you only know one culture then oh. it's very easy to put up a situation that's like us and them. But yes. if you start to under, uh, learn just a little bit of the language and you start to even use it and, and start to, to speak it with the, with the native speakers, then it just offers this interesting uh, gateway that changes yes. your mind a little bit. Cause yeah. I remember when I, before I, I learned Russian I, I had this very I guess stereotypical view of Russians and especially in video games they were always shouting and angry and kind of, <laughs> you know calling people <laughs> offensive stuff and, and and back then it seemed to me like that was so typically Russian but then yeah. when I started learning the language and I was kind of understanding them and, and and it's not like i don't have ai uh, don't i can't explain culturally why they are like that or why no. that seemed to be what the my experience with russians were but just learning it i was to kind of like just eventually just accepting it and eventually just yeah. going like oh i don't have any sort of bias against russian people no. you know they're just as you know you can find english people who are screaming <laughs> mad as well you know it's, it's not it's not exclusive to <laughs> one country but just no. learning the language kind of it it wasn't like I became a part of it but I just started mm. subconsciously uh, treating it very differently so I yes. really think that the road to uh, kind of uh, cultural uh, harmony and and everything is, mm. is through languages uh, first and foremost yeah. and and introducing kids to the idea that there are different languages and different cultures but they're not mm. they're uh, you know at the foundation level they're not different you know no. it's 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 different languages but the people at the very core are people just like yes. the rest of the world so yeah i think that's how that's how it starts but i'm just still i'm still interested in the idea of 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 how i guess it's like a response if 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 the world becomes really globalized i guess then you kind of take it the other way maybe it's mm. maybe it's a counter response to
0: that's yeah we've know. got a, we we have a lovely Polish de- um, delicatessen shop and being a, a Ger- I don't know, German food is all bread and sausages and yeah. it's really it's quite similar to Polish food so for starters we started to go to that shop because they have proper bread and German English bread is crap yeah it really
1: is it's like white it's really bread all the time
0: yeah but they, they have proper bread, and they have hauschnit, el- which is uh, sliced sausage, and so we started just to go in for that, and then I thought, actually, I can learn a little bit of Polish, so I was, so I can now say, uh, what was it? Poprosza um, piac plastic plastikas mortadella which means please going to have five slices of mortadella because my daughter loves that so we started with that and then I and then I learned another one and I can say yes Dimash or, or, which is how are you and so each time I go I learn a little and I've got a Polish friend uh, a Polish speaking friend who who I WhatsApp back and forth and he tells me how you actually spell it so I've been picking up bits of that and the, the kids are the same now so they can say they can say <laughs> which is hello and they can say goodbye and so they're just picking it because and that's what we do so that's that's a physical place where we speak Polish yeah. which is lovely and they've got nice food that we like to buy and it's a nice little shop but in that they we'd be one of the ladies was chatting to us the other day and saying that she was a grandma and telling about her grandkids which she wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for that and it's just like as you as you try to speak a little of somebody's language it's just it, you're moving so much further towards them that they want to talk to you Yeah. It's, I'm all about relating to people, and if I can do it in their language, I feel it makes a massive difference. It's quite hilarious sometimes because yeah. a lot we've got a lot of, um, of Urdu speakers who who other um, well, speak. They all speak Arabic, so usually you can just say Salaam alaikum" and they will respond with alaikum "Wa alaikum but a lot of the times they will look. They will. You say "salam alaikum" They say "walikum salam and then look and think that's a white girl speaking to you what's going on there, <laughs> which I love. Yeah. <laughs> or somebody I hear speaking Romanian, and I go "buna dimineata," and they'll look at me. And <laughs> I just love it. It's, it's, I, like, I like to shock people by randomly just greeting them in their language.
1: Yeah, and I think <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> That's, but you know, it's funny. It it illustrates a point that I often bring up on the on the podcast is that language learning is not something where you I have to work hard for years, and then you get a reward. It's like remember. you learn one word, and then you can get the reward. You know, because yes. you're like, now I know one word in in Polish, and then you actually meet someone, you say that word, and they, their eyes light up. They go like, "What?" <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> they really get surprised that you actually know some. Um,
0: and I love I love words like "chest" because "chest" is like "chow," so it's hello and goodbye. Right. So you've got all that. So if you've got all that, that we use for one word. Because it was a mum I met recently who, her parents spoke Polish, but it didn't really pass it on to her. So her daughter doesn't know any Polish at all. So I said, can I teach you one word? So I taught her "chęst." So every time I see her, I keep saying CESHT. So I'm thinking, if she's got that one word, she's actually getting. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not really my problem. But now every time I see that family, I'll say, I'll say, um, Dzień dobry, or Cest, and get their reply. So it's like.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I feel if. It's my mission to help them bring that back to their language skills that they seem to have forgotten. <laughs> but well, it just I'm,
1: sounds
0: like fun, I'm you know. <laughs> That's... I must drive people mad. I'm slightly upset. <laughs> <obsessed. laughs> <laughs> well, I can
1: I can imagine you strolling around the local village or city just uh, speaking to everyone in their language.
0: <laughs> I, I, get, I, get, I get really sad if I haven't done five languages before 10 o'clock. Right. I feel like i missed out because you there's usually the opportunity with sort of Russian and Polish and different people around to to at least try something I do. I get quite sad if I haven't done it. If I've done twelve in a day, I'm just like in fact I met a man in a um bookshop at the hospital where we chatted and found out he spoke more than one language. So we had a, a language in about oh we had a conversation in about five languages <laughs> and I was like I felt like I was flying, it was awesome and yeah. it wasn't a lot of it was basic, but I'm like, I can do this, I can do this. <laughs> So,
1: what are your, uh, if we uh, uh, ignore the kids for a little while, what are your own sort of language ambitions? Do you plan to take some of them to a higher level or do you just want to keep like adding little bits of new languages all the time?
0: Uh, I don't know. I'm a bit obsessive, really. I've got, I mean, I've got my French, German, and Spanish. Technically, I'm qualified to the level I did in school, although my German will be way beyond because I speak it regularly um, my Spanish and French will be beyond as well because as I'm learning alongside the kids as I'm teaching new things I have to learn more in fact I had a a, a some native a native German family who wanted me to work with them oh. which was really interesting I, really had to, I, I set a more, they call it which is like a, a, a play group, and it was just for these native German children to come together and, and to do songs and stories in German because otherwise they would speak English of course even. yeah so that was lovely, but it was bloody hard because I had to get my German. Yeah. So, was, so I'm constantly working on those languages. Um, as I said, I've done Polish because actually you talk, I was talking to did a, in January, they always do a language challenge and I thought, I'll do Polish. So I did, I did Polish for that for a month and I've carried that on. I'm learning Slovak ready for the language challenge. <laughs> Slowly.
1: Yeah. Are, you, are you doing that one? Oh, no, no, no. I. Why? I... Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Oh, i I like the idea of a language challenge but i just feel like i've got so many yes challenges uh don't, not just languages uh but i've got so many language projects that i feel yes. like if i keep skipping around then i'll never really get anywhere and the the random nature of okay the conferences in in slovakia then i'll learn slovak for me that's not enough of a reason so i i didn't i Purposefully, don't learn anything. uh, And I didn't learn any Greek for Greece either for the (laughs) conference. And, you know, this might be, you know, blasphemous almost uh, to say, but I just, I feel like if you want to get fine language learning, like really... Uh, high proficiency, mm. which is of course a completely different objective than uh, just mm. casual conversations, or even just mm. you know knowing a lot in a lot of languages, mm. or not knowing a lot in a lot of languages. But mm. I just feel like I'm 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 too scatterbrained already. Yes. So if I start to take on random challenges based on uh, random locations or random yeah. prompts. Then I just distract myself from the main challenges that I've set myself, which I'm already not doing too well at. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, um, yeah. that's that's basically my reasoning. But I, I love it when people do it because I think it's slightly mad, uh, but at the yes, same time it's very. Not,
0: <laughs> it's um, very
1: commendable because I, I, I think I, I, am, it's tough. I am
0: very competitive. That is one of my weaknesses. So when I heard about a challenge, I like, got to do this, and also I don't know. I, it, uh, apart from a little bit of Polish, I don't know many uh, many Slavic languages. So I know once you can sort of get a grip on a Slavic language, it actually gives you a real foothold in any of the other Slavic languages.
1: For sure, yeah.
0: So that, that's why I felt that would be good. Um, I just decided one day I was going to Slovakia, so I thought, right, I'm going to do this. So I'm doing that. I I learned, I, don't know if a, I learned enough Mandarin in six weeks to do a a, a, base, a basic class for the kids, which was fun. This lovely lady sent me a... Um, a lovely lady called Tony has written a, a Mandarin C D. It's a really funky kid's one called A Little Mandarin. So she said, she contacted me on Twitter and said, Would you like would you like a copy? And I'm like, Yes, please. So I started listening and I, I sort of learnt the songs in one order, as did my kids. And I thought, Oh, we've done that. Yeah. <laughs> so we I picked that up. And then I think it was with you you talk and Pimslow. We just picked up things like hello and goodbye and please and thank you. Just a few phrases, so I I can now deliver a Chinese New Year class.
1: <laughs> That's great. It
0: makes me laugh. Yeah. I can do that, and I can sing in Mandarin, which is just so awesome. So yeah, that was just a bit of a challenge, and it was fun. But um, yeah, I would I would say I'll just if, if I had my own way, I would learn lots of different languages, and as you say, easily forget them as well. So really, I'm, I'm still working on my my French, German, and Spanish are my main ones but I, I do get a bit easily distracted especially if I meet somebody I think well I've got to at least learn to say hello goodbye, yeah. thank you and. Well it, so.
1: it is a common I wouldn't call it a problem but it's certainly a, a common trait amongst uh, language learners that you know you kind of see uh, I guess the grass is greener sometimes when the language you're not learning yes. seems super interesting <laughs> Sh- shiny object syndrome almost you know where you just
0: ooh yes. and then some <laughs>
1: Yeah, like yeah. Uh, just yesterday, uh, you know, I I was kind of bored and I uh, procrastinated by learning like thirty three of the most common Chinese radicals uh, on awesome. memorize, which is like totally useless and totally a distraction. But you know, one day I might use it for something.
0: <laughs> then you see things like there's Dothra- Dothraki in Game of Thrones, and that is just that is just such an awesome language. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, it I just sounds. Though. Oh, you ought to. It's just so guttural and amazing. It's just like. it's, And that is a total. It's one of the Conlang's um, made up languages. It is a Conlang, isn't it? Yeah. language. But yeah, so that's it. I also. I did start a bit of Esperanto in a challenge about a year back, and I really would like to get on with that because I could. I mean, I can read in Esperanto if I need to because of the, the romance languages I have. I right. could actually read in it. So I'm like, I really ought to get going with my with my esperanto as well it's not
1: that hard I think you'd learn it in a couple of weeks if you just uh, you know put your mind to it it's
0: super easy yeah but I've I've currently got a time limit on Slovak so I'm
1: oh yeah of course you don't want (laughs) to confuse the languages uh,
0: and Polish and Slovak are so similar that does my head in for sure because you get Nerozumiem is is I don't understand in Polish or Nerozumiem is I don't understand in Slovak right which sounds very similar and then there's random things that are really different but so I'm trying to not do too much Polish to try and keep my Slovak
1: but <laughs> right. we'll see yeah you want to keep them separate I think
0: uh... try to but they they feel so similar it's like I find that with them if I'm not careful my French and Spanish I can do that because some some things are so similar yeah to try so occasionally I will come out with a French word in Spanish and then realize. But sometimes it's so similar, nobody notices. Right. But Germany is so different, I'm pretty safe there. Yeah. But uh,
1: anyway, you know, uh, time is flying, as we mentioned in the first part of the, uh, the talk. And uh, we're already at the end point. But before, I just wanted to get kind of a, a quick maybe your top tips or top recommendations for any parents or parents to be who are sitting out there and and they kind of want to do uh, what you're doing or they want to teach Mm. their kids languages from the beginning. What are your top tips of, of what do you think they should be doing or what they should do more of in uh, addition to what we've already talked about, of course.
0: Right. I mean, the main, the main thing is, is that you're not scared. Don't be too scared to try because as, as, As parents, we we make mistakes. Anyway, that's part of the joy of parenting. So with with language learning, don't be worried that what you pass on is not perfect. That can always be ironed out later on. Um, Find, if you can, find yourself some other parents that are doing it. Because when I was, when my Josh was young, there was nobody else and it was flipping lonely and hard work. So if you can find yourself groups of parents that are doing language learning, it's going to really um, encourage you. There's a bloke called Adam Beck called, that's got a group called Bilingual Monkeys, or Rita Rosenbach is brilliant as well, and she's got another bilingual learning group. So if you can find some people to support you in that, that will make your life easier. The other thing is just find some resources that are fun. If you if you like storybooks, find some really nice storybooks. Um, things like my favourite storybook ever is The Very Hungry Caterpillar, and I've got that in four languages because... Once, you, once the children understand it in one language, it's easy to to carry on. And the other thing is sing. If you can, you can sing in the car, you can sing anywhere. And in singing, you're getting good accent, And you, you can actually sing way beyond your level, but actually that, that sinks in. And eventually you'll understand what you actually are singing. Mm. And it's lots of fun because you can sing in the bath or anywhere. <laughs> there's a, my favourite song, I'll quick plug, there's a lovely song about a boat on the water. Which I'm just going to sing at you. So you, you get your children as if they're rowing, and it goes, la rivière, la rivière, la rivière. So at the end you splash in the water, and then you just carry on singing. It's such a simple one, but it's a lovely bath time song that you're that just becomes part of your bedtime routine.
1: Right, and kids love singing anyway, you know. They... they
0: do. Yeah, and actually, if you look on my Lingotastic website, if you click through to my YouTube, we've got loads of songs that are tried and tested, including a very good one about a cow called Lola who has a head and a tail and she says moo. <laughs> It's really simple but if you can do it in spanish you've suddenly in 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 minutes you've picked up lots of really useful vocab in fact most of the songs are about animals because most children love making animal noises yeah so yeah and i've got a very oh, yeah, quick, quick plug i've produced a lovely cd that's called mostly german which is a lot um a lot of it's traditional german songs but we've we've translated them into english in a singable form we've got 5 we've got Twinkle twinkle little star in five languages including Esperanto and um Pajaka in I think four languages so if you if you if you buy my CD from a website you can be singing along in the car and you can be singing in all these languages really yeah. easy very nice, very nice. And it's only £10 plus postage and packing. <laughs>
1: that's
0: perfect. Very, very professional. Sorry, qu- qu- quick, quick pitch. But <laughs> yeah. we, we all have to eat, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that, and that's also, you know, you, you, you touched on that earlier, that if you can find something you're passionate about and you can actually make a living of it, then... The kind of everything comes together, but it sometimes is not possible, and it's definitely difficult. And but I know that you know if you keep doing what you are doing, then the world is going to also start to pick up on the fact that Mm -hmm. you know kids' multilingual education is is something we need to be doing more of, and Mm -hmm. and we need to get people engaged from from the beginning instead of waiting until they're you know six or seven or even eight sometimes, yeah, uh, before they start learning another language and they start dubbing everything, you know, even the, the movies and TV shows are dubbed in some countries, which just creates yeah. very bad uh, second language speakers.
0: Yeah. Um, so. I, yeah, I was speaking to uh, my husband, Mike, learned a lot of his English through Danger Mouse and MTV because it was in German but with English subtitles. Right. No, in English with German subtitles. So he was hearing that, that language day after day. Yeah, that's what you'd like.
1: Yeah. But there are lots of countries where you can live your entire life without hearing any other language. <clears throat> like, uh, yeah, Germany is a notorious one. I think France also. Um, I know definitely Hungarian. I when I had I got like a million TV channels included in my Hungarian uh, internet subscription and yeah. there was like nothing in English, even Discovery oh. Channel and TLC and everything was uh, dubbed. And they they didn't even supply the original track for most of the channels, so you could watch like the movie channel, and that was what it was called in the directory. But it would be English movies dubbed into Hungarian, and you couldn't Eesh. choose the right uh, um, sort of uh, language. And that's that's really why I think you get poor foreign language speakers, and and you get mm. a more you get more nationalistic in a way, but. Yeah. I just don't understand why it's not so apparent. Like if you look at the countries that don't dub but use subtitles instead, they have amazing English ability, almost native like. Yeah, native-like. yeah but, Holland definitely. Yeah, the Netherlands are famous for it. The Scandinavian countries also. And and you just think like why doesn't anyone notice that like what it's mm. so obvious that that's what needs to happen. You need yeah. to not dub everything i'm not saying you shouldn't dub kids tv because that's kind of that's possibly an exception i don't know it would be Mm. nice to watch foreign kids tv as well as your uh, native one but i I don't know how kids do with subtitles and stuff that maybe that's too much
0: no i think it's all uh, you're looking at about seven or eight before they can right keep keep track without um can read quick enough for subtitles
1: So it's better just to have native, uh, just let's say uh, French cartoons instead Mm. of English ones, and than just to have French cartoons with English subtitles. And I guess that's more immersion, like Mm. anyway. Yeah. But but anyway, that's a long uh, that's a a discussion for another time and perhaps slightly more political uh, uh, ideology here that we want to change the world. But
0: yes, definitely. um, why not Uh,
1: i hope i hope we can do i hope we play our little part and then i think we do i think
0: yeah i think it makes a difference because it just makes even just making people more aware i do an awful lot of social media and i think in even just mentioning about people speaking more than one language i think eventually it it sort of sinks into people that it is possible and it's it's a value and yeah, so that's my. I hope so. My
1: but anyway, thank you so much for the the work that you do, and 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 for coming on and, and sharing it with the world, and giving your your tips and advice. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person in Slovakia in Prachisla, where we're gonna uh, enjoy the Prague gathering to see yes. if they can uphold the the wonderful tradition that's been going on for. Yeah, I guess this is the fourth one now. Or maybe the th- okay. fifth even. Um, but obviously it's a, a new team Organising it With the help of the old team So mm-hmm. We'll see if uh, If it's going to be Just as good Or Maybe Even better Different, <laughs> different. Uh, Yeah different I hope for sure It would be weird If mm. it felt the same When you're in a new mm. Country <laughs> But yeah. But thank you so much Sarah, And, and, and uh, okay. I hope to stay in In touch
0: Yeah thank you How do I say goodbye in Danish I don't know Danish
1: um, You can say Favel. Favel. Yes, okay.
0: that Fine. just means bye. Bye, no, sorry, sorry I, I, I know no Danish. That you can also say hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. Oh, as in, as in, right. You
1: can say that twice, so, then it, it, that's one of hi, the... Hi. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the flexible Danish words. If you say hi, it's usually a greeting. If you say hi, hi, it's usually a goodbye.
0: Hi. Oh? <laughs> hi. Hi. Thank but, you it's joy.
1: <laughs> Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon.
0: Bless you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Actual Fluency podcast. If you would like to get more out of the podcast, check out the VIP club by going to actualfluency.com slash VIP.